Welcome to Friday. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network. And Dirk Christians with you here. And we always get through this surrounded by the best people in the business to bring us up to speed on the news, the sports that don't look around like that, Scott Foster. I thought maybe somebody else would come in. I am talking about you, sir. Okay. And looky here, we have uh, the award-winning, nationally respected ag journalist, Susan Littlefield, joining us today. Hello, how are you guys doing? How are you? Oh, I don't think so, Scott. We're not not worthy. Okay. Yeah, I should be honored to sit in the room with you guys. Bob Rogan is here as well, and we'll get to Bob in the business news in just a moment. But uh, tell us, what's the big buzz in agriculture right now, Susan? So good about that. The Senate Ag Committee yesterday held a big hearing on what they were doing with pesticide regulations. And there's a discussion coming from a South Dakota senator on the EPA and pollinators and what they're doing to all work together to keep those bees a buzzing. We'll also have uh, Shaley Peters with Al Dutcher talking about what our weather will be like next week. Newsmaker will be with Steve Nelson as he talks about the new U.S. trade representative that finally got the green light yesterday. And then Jess will be in with Greg Ibaugh, the director of the Nebraska Department of Ag, to talk about the China importing U.S. beef and what that's going to mean for Nebraska producers. They're so excited about finally having a trade representative named and oh, position filled. It's been uh, a long time coming. Very much so. It's good to have it done. Let's move forward now. All right. Scott Foster's over here. Big event coming up in uh, in Gothenburg. Yeah, the the eighth Nebraska championship meet, which is the de facto state championship track meet for junior high. Uh, It's a big deal. We'll talk to Jim Clark, the founder and organizer of this at 1225. Be well over 300 athletes in the last few years. They've had 16,000 people there in Gothenburg to watch it. It's a Weather should be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also, the Nebraska baseball team playing pretty good. They've moved into the rankings. They're number one in the Big Ten. They'll be taking on Sparty, and Michigan State is eighth right now in the Big Ten, and there's only eight teams that go into the tournament, so they would kind of you know, like to get a win. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And in the NBA last night, uh, the Houston Rockets managed a whole 75 points in their playoff game against the Spurs. How can that even happen? Yeah, it wasn't good. You know, the the just Spurs are beat up anyway. Not holding good. their heads low. and yeah. I don't know what's not going good. on there. Not okay. Good. Well, very good. And let's move on over to Bob Brogan. And we have business news. Stocks are mostly lower in midday trading on Wall Street. Banks and industrial companies are falling. Shares of J.C. Penney, as much as I try to help them out, have hit an all-time low after the department store chain reported some losses in the first quarter. So we're watching that as well. So did you furnish your, everything with it? Pretty J.C. much everything, right practically yes. everything. We wow. should go. We should go Facebook Live with Absolutely. you and have, yeah. you do, have you do the runway rock walk here for us. Well, I suppose I could. <laughs> Cat's got his tongue, ladies and gentlemen. Hard to find Bob Brogan when he doesn't have words right on the tip of his tongue. That's right. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're uh, running uh, a little bit close to what we need to get to with Dewey Nelson over here on the markets. This is what you're finding today on Midday. In the markets today, it is quite stagnant. We're seeing just fractional moves here in uh, wheat as well as corn and soybeans. Joining us is Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at INTLFC Stone. So can you say lack of fresh news is probably the topic of the day? Or why are the traders not reacting to any outside market influence or any other kind? 
Yeah, it's one of those cases, and I thought uh, Wednesday's crop report reaction was uh, gave us some real indications of that. Or we threw lots of news at it, but uh, basically what the USDA said is we're not really going to build up supplies beyond where they are now that much over the next year, nor are we going to really draw them down that much. Uh, so that gives the funds really uh, allows them to just keep trading their chart signals and money flow signals from the outside markets. Nothing really to drive them in one direction or the other. Corn remains very much range bound within a twenty cent range. That's held up for quite some for the last seven months. Most of that time now for the July contract, uh, we are seeing a, a tendency of an ascending channel on, in soybeans, trending a little bit higher after we had a big collapse earlier this spring. Uh, but even that's starting to show some weakness now. Uh, so uh, right now it's all about money flow and chart signals and uh, nothing really to knock these grains one way or the other outside of that unless we get really good weather or really bad weather this during the growing season. So I guess that makes, from a fundamental standpoint, weather the focus. Is there anything else that might muster new momentum either to the downside or to the upside in corn? Anything to suggest? Well, on the corn market now, we've priced in big crops in South America. So that's been priced into the futures. But that crop will actually reach the export market this summer. And I think one of the keys as to whether it replaces a significant amount of our exports during the summer and into the fall or doesn't is is really comes down to the Brazilian RIA, their currency exchange rates there. Uh, that's been impacting farmer willingness to sell. Right now, farmers really don't want to sell corn or soybeans, so it's starting to firm up soybean prices down there. We're getting a few more orders here in the United States. We could see something similar in corn unless we see a real weakening of their currency, and then that would raise their effective prices, and they'd be more willing to sell. Near-term trend seems to be weak on Kansas City wheat futures. Do we see some medium-term or long-term trend that may uh, inspire the bulls? Yeah, this is a market that was just kind of going along sideways. All of a sudden, we approached and we got the winter storm. We got a lot of volatility, and now we're starting to get back in that range that we had been in late March and early April once again, still searching for direction. I do think there's a little bit firmer undertones under this market from the standpoint that uh, uh, we are seeing more damage from the winter storm start to show up. We're not going to run out of wheat but the picture is certainly less bearish, and the funds have huge short positions in that market. What latest on the VIX, the fear index at Wall Street? What's that at? The, the fear index of VIX traded at its lowest level since 1993 this week, and we're still down near those levels. So that, that, that's why the stock market's just below record highs, but we've seen a sell-off in the commodity. So the, the stock traders seem to think all is well in the world. Commodity traders are quite worried about a sluggish global economy. In livestock futures trading, we have seen that rebound in the cattle futures. Is this based on China news? Yeah, it really is, and uh, we're seeing... Some uh, opening of some doors there. President Trump reaching agreement with China to open the doors once again after years of being closed to U.S. beef. It's going to take a while for meaningful supplies to start moving through, but that kind of stopped the bleeding and the big sell-off we've been having in the cattle market. We thank Arlen Suderman for the comments. He is Chief Commodities Economist at INTLFC Stone. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.
Perkins is in here with great news for us all, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Yeah, good. going to be a great weekend. Lots of activities this weekend with a lot of graduations kicking in. And, of course, Mother's Day activities, a weather forecast that should make a lot of mothers uh, smile for this, for sure, this weekend. <laughs> and if nothing else, uh, we know that, uh, you know, well, I know that there's probably a lot of mothers on those tractors, too. But uh, mother kind of gets the week off because you know who is going to be out on the track. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> probably a little quieter at home. Everybody wrapping up the field work right now. Yeah. We do have a ridge of high pressure moving overhead for today and tonight. Uh, it's going to bring in those warmer and dry conditions. And the nice thing is today and tonight we're going to see some light winds. That doesn't last long. You knew it couldn't last long in Nebraska and Kansas. Those winds pick up out of the south for tomorrow and Sunday as a trough of low pressure gets organized just to our west. Temperatures over the weekend with that south flow continuing to warm up on into early next week. And our temperatures look to be about 10 to 20 degrees warmer than normal. Weak disturbances off some low pressure over the southwest. That'll start triggering some thunderstorm chances as soon as Monday afternoon on into Tuesday. A few of those could be severe. Right now we just have some small chances of thunderstorms Monday afternoon into Wednesday. A greater chance of thunderstorms starting to arrive by Thursday with the secondary area of low pressure and some severe weather chances increasing with that. Also, those temperatures by Wednesday into Thursday starting to cool down thanks to the passage of a cold front. In our long-term forecast, the temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas hovering right around seasonal levels. The last half of next week, those temperatures near normal to slightly warmer than normal. Then the temperatures start to cool to near normal to slightly cooler than normal by next weekend through May 25th. And that's thanks to a trough of low pressure that sets up over the western U.S. It will keep it active for above-normal precipitation in Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through May 25th. The soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning in the upper 40s across the northwest and north-central part of Nebraska. If you are south of I-80 into all of eastern Nebraska and the western half of Kansas, soil temperatures were in the low half of the 50s in the eastern half of Kansas. Soil temperatures ranged about 55 to 60. Weather factors driving the market trade include a round of drier conditions over the weekend for the Midwest and rain chances redeveloping next week. A storm over the Mid-South will drift to the northeast to the Atlantic coast and maintain some rainy weather along its path. Over the weekend, though, and early next week, the focus for significant precipitation starting to shift to the northwest and eventually the northern plains and upper Midwest. The warmer and drier conditions over the northern plains and Midwest this weekend offering the opportunity for planting progress and crop development. They, they will be racing the clock, though, as that rain starts to return to the northern plains and western Midwest early next week and to the eastern Midwest the middle of next week. In the southern plains, rain and variable temperatures look to favor the wheat development. In Brazil, they're looking forward to drier and warmer conditions to help out the second crop corn after recent rain and cold in the Mato Grosso area and also towards Piranha. Argentine showers today may mean some delays to the harvest of their summer crops and winter wheat planting. Rain reports are suggesting that there was a late April cold snap over Western Europe that may have caught the wheat in the heading stage in north and northeast France. If verified, that likely means some yield reduction for that wheat crop. Let me turn that on. Okay, Midday so you're not echoing? <laughs> Sounds a little better. I don't have to shout that way. 
Uh, midday Ag Weather presented by Holdridge Irrigation. And uh, about the worst thing that you can say about this weekend is a little windy tomorrow afternoon. Huh? And, and a little warm probably. have to crank it back up the air conditioners again like we did last weekend. Oh, but, woe is us. Yeah, oh. <laughs> we'll take it, though. Yeah, No snow in the forecast, guaranteed, this weekend. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. We appreciate that. When you need weather anytime, it's at krvn.com. In today's fast-paced world of agriculture, producers need accurate market information they can trust. Sometimes you just want to know the whys of the day's markets. And our new program, The Final Bell, gives you a chance to ask the marketing experts. I'm Joe Gangwish with the Rural Radio Network. Join us for The Final Bell, Monday through Friday, as we dig deeper into the factors shaping the day's market activity and take your questions. It's The Final Bell, weekdays at 217, right here on Rural Radio, 880 KRVN. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. Today's grain trade very quiet. Volume is likely to remain low, very narrow trading ranges. Not a lot to influence the market one way or the other today. July corn trading 370 and a quarter, September 378 and a quarter, December 388 and a quarter, all are up one. Soybeans a little lower, July at 965, down one and a quarter, August 966 and a quarter, down one and three quarters. November 961 and a quarter, down two and three quarters. Chicago July wheat is now a quarter lower at 433 and a half. September 447 and a half, down a half. Kansas City July contract 440 and a quarter, down a half. September 457, down three quarters. Different story for the cattle futures. We have uh, really rallied today on the news that China will reallow beef imports into their country from the U.S. maybe by midsummer. June live cattle 124.30, up 37, but the back months have triple digit gains. August 121.10, up 142. October 117.55, up 190. December 117.75, up 197. May feeder cattle at 143.52 is up 115. August 151.27, up 395. September's up 357 at 151 even. October 149.77, up 315. Lean hog trade continues to rally. The May contract 71.90, up 37. June 77.85, up 80. July 78.12, up 105. Over to Wall Street. The Dow Industrial Average down 36 at 20,882. The Nasdaq's up 3 at 6,119. And the S&P 500 down 4 at 2,386. This is Governor Pete Ricketts, and I invite you to help me celebrate Renewable Fuels Month in Nebraska. Next time you're at the pump, choose ethanol or biodiesel. These sustainable and renewable fuels are produced in the Midwest from corn and soybeans, grown right here in Nebraska. Both of these fuels are cleaner burning and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. That means cleaner air for all Nebraskans. You have a choice at the pump. Celebrate Renewable Fuels Month all year long by filling up with ethanol and biodiesel. A clear choice for all Nebraska. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our help with your water, your air, your food. You're going to need our determination, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. 
take a look at what we're seeing in the news. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Nebraska Cattlemen very excited. The Trump administration has reached an agreement with China to restore market access for U.S. beef. Nebraska's beef producers have been waiting for this moment for 13 years. Chinese officials have been in the state numerous times over many years just to learn more about the high-quality produced beef in Nebraska. The Nebraska Cattlemen members have stepped up repeatedly to help foster that growing relationship with China. Coming in late last night, the word that China had accepted U.S. beef by July. We get more updates on that from Jesse Harding. Back in September, it was first announced that it was first imports of U.S. beef would soon be accepted. This has given Nebraska plenty of time to prepare for the first shipments to be sent. Greg Ibaugh, director of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture, says what they have been doing. Oh, we'd already been working hard to position the Nebraska beef community to be able to take advantage of China when it did open. And so we have been working to help our slaughter facilities make contacts into the marketplace and build relationships. And we will be rolling out some promotional activities in China over the next few days and weeks. And we're also going to have Stan Garbutz, the international trade officer, for Nebraska agriculture in China next week, reaching out and making some contacts as well. Director Ibaugh says producers are already assisting in getting their products to China by their beef checkoff dollars being used for promotional activities. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Thank you very much, Jesse. The concerns continue with about the collapse of the bee population. Rick Hugan is acting director of Office of Pesticide Programs at the EPA. He said that they've been working with their colleagues in Canada when it comes to the veromite. Back in September. One of the things that EPA has done is that when a new tool is even in the discovery process to control veromite, um, we will accelerate the registration of that product through the process as quickly as possible. We had uh, an example from just a couple of years ago that there was a tool that was available to Canadian beekeepers that was not available to U.S. beekeepers. Because of the scientific relationships that we've developed with our colleagues in Canada, we were able to make use of their reviews. Um, and for an, this was a new active ingredient for us, and we were able to complete the registration process for that product in four months because of our ability to rely upon the science that our colleagues in Canada had already undertaken. Now, according to the USDA, honeybees are a critical link in the U.S. agricultural production. Pollination by managed honeybee colonies adds at least $15 billion to the value of U.S. agriculture annually through the increased yields and the superior quality of what's harvested. Well, Congress has put a 24 million acre cap on CRP near the end of the commodity boom as farmers and lawmakers look ahead to the new farm bill and at least some lawmakers and groups are trying to get CRP acres bumped back up once again. After a lengthy confirmation process, the U.S. Senate has given the nod to Robert Lighthizer to serve as U.S. Trade Representative for the President Donald Trump. The Senate approving 82 to 14 yesterday, giving the Trump administration its final trade voice needed to move forward with trade agendas. Following the confirmation vote, ag groups stressed the importance of trade, including what we see with NAFTA. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association released a statement calling international trade vital to the success of agriculture in the nation. Well, that is a look at your agricultural news. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
It is time again this week here to catch up on what we can expect weather-wise headed into next week. And of course, here to visit with us about that is Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, finally, some warm weather showing up here across much of the state. Can we expect some of this nice weather to continue here? Well, in terms of the temperature prospects, yes. I think that we we can pretty confidently state that we are going to be in a period over this next week of above normal temperatures. In fact, as we move through this weekend, we'll be closing in on the 80-degree mark if we don't bust it in some places in the southwest. As we go into early next week with that ridge that has been trans transmoving itself across the country. Um, we're going to be looking at a very warm early part of the week as we see a trough in the west and a southwest flow in the mid and upper layers of the atmosphere that will be ejecting out lows at the surface. Um, and so as we go through the weekend, we don't expect a lot of moisture until we get into late Sunday into Monday where there is a chance that we start accumulating some scatter shower activity. But the brunt of the moisture associated with these first pieces of energy ejecting out of that trough in the west look like they're going to be directed more toward the northern plains. So for our folks up in South Dakota that have been persistently missing some of these heavier precipitation events that have been rolling through the central plains, it does offer at least a semblance of hope that we will see some wide spread one to two inch moisture over this next seven days as a couple of these systems move through. And then more importantly, as we move into the early part of next week, some of that energy may generate a few scattered showers across portions of eastern Nebraska. I would put probably the probabilities of that at the 20 to 30 percent. So it's not a washout, but some of those folks that do actually see some thunderstorm develop in this warmer regime are likely to see some of those come close to or borderline severe weather if they do develop. But the more important concentration of precipitation will remain to our north. But as we progress through the week, we start to see that low pressure system in the upper atmosphere organized over the southern inner mountain region and then that will start to push its way out into the plains which brings our precipitation probabilities up rather significantly in the post-Wednesday period when we start to see that precipitation move out into the central plains it does look like as we get into at least Friday there is a fairly respectable chance of severe weather outbreak at least across eastern Kansas and I wouldn't be surprised if some of that lifts up toward the north and we'll see that precipitation hang around probably through most of late next week and the early part of the weekend before we start to see a little bit of a break in terms of precipitation as as we uh, see that trough itself move over to the portions to the east, which would renew some of the wetness concerns that have been developing recently with the cool conditions in northern Illinois, Indiana, southern portions of Michigan and northern Ohio. This area has seen some pretty significant moisture and cool temperatures. In fact, when I came back from Michigan, we did, I did see a lot of water in fields, at least for the first 60 miles of Interstate 80 across eastern Illinois. The farther west you got, the drier the conditions were. And actually, once you got to Des Moines, we were looking at some fairly good soil conditions. It looked like most of the planting was done. So the areas to the east of us have been problematic. Do get some drying, at least as as ridge moves eastward, but then as we get later into the week, we start to see this whole pattern start to shift, and we start to see a much wetter pattern develop across the entire Corn Belt, so that may renew some concerns in terms of planting issues for areas that have been, unfortunately, very difficult to dry out. All right, thanks, Al. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher here again with us this week, giving us an update weather-wise. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. 
You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Time to check sports with Scott Foster. Thanks, Dirk, and happy Friday to you. This Saturday is the 8th annual Nebraska Championship Track Meet in Gothenburg. It serves as the Junior High State Championship, and one of the organizers' themes have been the road to Burke goes through Gothenburg. Meet director Jim Clark. What's fun is to see the kids that were in those first meets. They've now gone through a high school career. I'm now able to see several of them in collegiate careers, and it's those same old names. It's the same kids that came through Gothenburg or the ones that you're hearing about uh, head and lighting it down in Burke and and various different uh, uh, sports. Clark is a USA track and field master level official. He says the level of competition continues to rise each year. He talks about the numbers at the meet this year. I just had to smile because by 10 a.m. this morning, I saw that 253 kids had already entered the meet. So apparently, we're going to have this track meet. Whether whether we do anything or not, the kids are coming. So, uh, so just in a couple of hours, I, I can't believe there's that many entries already. Over the last eight years, the meet has awarded medals to 174 schools, while 3,600 athletes have participated and roughly 16,000 spectators have watched the event. The Nebraska Championship meet starts at 11 o'clock with running events starting at 12 in Gothenburg. The Nebraska baseball team is at the top of the Big Ten Conference standings with a 12-5-1 conference record and a 30-16-1 overall record. They also moved in the top 25 of Baseball America's rankings. They will begin a weekend series tonight with Michigan State. Sparty is 26-19 and 19 and 8-10 and 10 in the Big Ten. They are in 8th place in the conference tournament. Only takes 8 teams, so they will have something to be playing for at Hawksfield. Michigan State is coming off a couple of midweek victories over Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan. Nebraska is coming off of last weekend's sweep of Rutgers and a midweek win over Creighton 4 to nothing. Tonight's game is scheduled to start at 6.35. You can catch the game on 880-KRVM. Pre-game is at 6.05. The state soccer tournament continues on the Creighton University campus in Omaha today. In Class A girls, tomorrow semifinals have Lincoln Southwest going up against Millard North at 1. Then Marion will take on Millard West. In Class B girls, quarterfinals today, Elkhorn South won this morning. They await the winner of Columbus and Scott Catholic game, while Hastings will take on Elkhorn, and Kearney Catholic goes up against SCOTUS later this afternoon. In boys' Class A today, semis have Creighton Prep taking on Kearney at 6, and later tonight, Westside against Millard West. Semifinal action in Class B tomorrow, South Sioux City goes up against Skyler, and Elkhorn South takes on Columbus, who knocked off Lexington last night. That's a quick look at sports. More of Midday coming up on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Scott Foster. KRVN Sports in Midday brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Clear skies tonight, lows in the mid-40s to lower 50s. I'm Dave Schroeder. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts says the state is positioning itself to export beef to China. Ricketts today applauded news that China would allow American beef into the country for the first time since 2003. Ricketts visited China in each of the past two years to urge the Chinese government to reopen its market. Two people have been charged with killing a man on northeast Nebraska's Winnebago Reservation. 32-year-old William Redhorn Jr. was slain early on April 23rd in Winnebago. An autopsy shows that he'd been strangled but also suffered head trauma. 
19-year-old Jeremiah Wolf and 21-year-old Lorencia Merrick are charged with manslaughter. The records don't list the names of attorneys for them. The records say the two had told tribal police that they'd come upon Redhorn outside a building he was trying to break into and approached him when he wouldn't stop. Wolf says a fight then broke out between him and Redhorn and that he put Redhorn in a headlock until he quit struggling. Merrick says she struck Redhorn's head. Wolf says they didn't intend to kill Redhorn. Nebraska lawmakers passed the major state budget bills Tuesday, but only after coming close to forcing a government shutdown. The $8.9 billion two-year budget then headed to Governor Pete Ricketts, who could potentially issue some vetoes. Gothenburg Senator Matt Williams has based on various discussions. The governor could veto the legislature's lowering of the minimum cash reserve requirement from 3 to 2.5% for the current biennium. Williams says the governor also could ask for changes in funding for community colleges, the University of Nebraska, Medicaid provider rates for the state's most vulnerable individuals, and the Water Sustainability Fund. All of those are things that uh, uh, will, will not sit particularly well with me. I think it's important that we maintain the provider rates the, at the level they are. And I'm one that believes that the University of Nebraska is one of the largest economic engines in our state and uh, keeping them healthy and not having them have to have double-digit tuition increases that penalize our students. There's just a significant number of issues. Governor Ricketts has until Monday to decide whether to sign the budget bills, veto them entirely, veto specific spending items, or let the bills become law without his signature. News happens anytime, anywhere. Send word to us with a tip under the news tab at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. A big week in trade news here for the United States as Robert Lighthizer was confirmed yesterday as U.S. Trade Representative. Also, the USDA Sunny Purdue announcing an undersecretary for trade. And then also news last night breaking of China opening its doors to U.S. beef. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Here to visit with us about some of that is our own Nebraska Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson. And Steve, let's start off by talking about the USDA's announcement here. Sonny Purdue, not even in his role a month yet as the Secretary of Ag, but kind of shaking things up here, announcing yesterday that he was going to create the position for Undersecretary of Trade. Well, that's right, and certainly we've talked about it many times, uh, the importance of trade uh, to Nebraska producers uh, and and certainly uh, producers across the country as well. And so uh, the, these uh, steps are very important. This new position at USDA was initially uh, something that uh, that Mike Johans worked for when he was uh, uh, in Washington, D.C., and so uh, it, while it was never implemented during the last administration, this is a, just a great uh, move on behalf of um, Farmers and Ranchers by Sonny Purdue to to uh, create the position, to make the position active, and to uh, work uh, work on behalf of trade for all of the agriculture producers in the country. Uh, you mentioned that this has been introduced before. Talk about maybe real quick what uh, what it will look like once this is established and how that will operate. Well, again, I think that that with the position being new, that that 
uh, some of those things are are yet to be defined. But but certainly it it puts someone at the at the nearly at the highest level at uh, USDA to to be in a position to work on on trade issues. And and again, as we talk about the importance of trade, around thirty percent of U.S. farm income comes from dollars generated uh, in foreign markets. So that's that's hugely important. That number is slightly higher in Nebraska. So so again, it's just important to have have this happening, and uh, very much again appreciate the work of, uh, of Secretary Purdue. All right, Steve. And then moving on to Lighthizer's confirmation, uh, you sent a letter here, really reiterating the fact that these trade deals are important, but basically don't let ag go by the wayside, um, and making sure that agriculture remains a focus when it comes to U.S. trade. Well, that's right. Uh, Robert Lighthizer was uh, uh, confirmed as the the uh, U.S. Trade Representative. Had the opportunity to meet with uh, with uh, Representative Lighthizer a month ago or so, and had a chance to share our concerns and and uh, really continue to talk about the importance of trade to Nebraska agriculture. Uh, certainly, a similar conversation that that. Uh, that we had with uh, with Sunny Purdue uh, at an earlier point, and so uh, again the focus is 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 expanding trade. One of the things we talked about is, is that it's important that as we take a look at uh, trade agreements, whether they're new or whether uh, they're existing, particularly with the existing trade agreements, that that we don't sacrifice the good that we've we've gained for agriculture in order to to make trade deals better in other areas. Certainly. Certainly, we would not be opposed to to making trade deals uh, as good as they can be and and covering lots of sectors of the economy but we we again don't want to sacrifice the good things that have taken place uh, on behalf of agriculture all right and I've got one final question for you here. All of this news in trade has to be encouraging, considering some of the news coming off you know they we weren't sure if we were going to keep NAFTA and there of course as soon as Trump took office the TP was uh, no longer so this has to be encouraging news for agriculture in some sense well it certainly is and and the the fact that we're getting people in position now to to really move the trade discussions forward i think is very important uh, we know that the president has concerns and has made commitments to to taking a look at some existing trade agreements to possibly renegotiate trade agreements and and uh, we're not opposed to that but again it's just important that we remember how good uh trade is for agriculture how we benefit for uh you know in really all sectors of agriculture from trade and so uh, the actions today uh, are just just very good signs in that respect Thanks, Steve, for all of your comments here. Nebraska Farm Bureau President Steve Nelson uh, giving his take here on the announcement that the USDA will be shaking things up just a little bit, reorganizing and creating a position of Undersecretary for Trade, and then also uh, Robert Lighthizer's confirmation as U.S. Trade Representative happening yesterday as well. You can find more information on all of this by visiting RuralRadio.com. I'm Jaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio. Good afternoon, Dewey Nelson with the Market Report on the Rural Radio Network. Shortly before the close, hardly anything has changed. Corn slightly higher, soybeans and wheat slightly lower. A very directionless day and a very quiet session. July corn, 370 and a half, up one and a quarter. 
September 378.5, December 388.5, they're both up one and a quarter. July soybeans 963, down three and a quarter. August 964.5, down three and a half. September 961.5, down three and three quarters. November 959.5, down four and a half. Chicago July wheat 433, down three quarters. September 447, down one. Kansas City July 439 and three quarters, down one. And September 456.5, down one and a quarter. We settle sharply higher to limit up in cattle futures with the limit moves in feeders. That means expanded limits in feeder cattle on uh, Monday. Lean hogs also closed higher. June live cattle settled 125.17, up 125. August 121.77, up 210. October 118.12, up 247. December 118.37, up 260. May feeder cattle 144.55, up 217. The next four months, up the 450 limit. August 151.82, September 151.92, October 151.12, and November 149.17. May lean hog settled 71.90, up 37. June 77.95, up 90. July 78.60, up 152. Latest from Wall Street, the Dow down 35 points, 20,884. But the NASDAQ Composite Index is five higher at 6,121. S&P 500 down three at 2,387. On a recent Rural Radio Forum, we learned communication is critical when working on a farm succession plan. Nebraska Extension educator Alan Vanalik told our audience to keep all family members involved. But the family meeting is critical because the only way we can get through to the next generation is to have everyone in the room that's an adult. And what everybody should be allowed to do at that first family meeting is to give their input on what they think should happen to whatever we're talking about. Whether it's grandmother's yellow pie plate or if it's the farm or if it's the old 64 Chevy, I don't care what it is. Everybody should have an input on what they think ought to happen with that asset or with that piece of ground. Manalik also said don't wait to get started on your plan. The bottom line is many people wait until there's some catastrophic event before they start making their family planning. And that's a terrible time to get in the room to do that when mom or dad pass away or when somebody's critically ill. Don't do that. If you miss this important Rural Radio Forum or would like to hear it again, click on podcasts at ruralradio.com. Brought to you by Lindsay Corporation and your local Zomatic and FieldNet dealer. Back on the Rural Radio Network, and China is going to re-allow Nebraska and as well as U.S. beef back into their markets sometime mid-summer. A lot of questions still remain, but it was positive for the cattle futures today. With us, Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yes, it was. It was certainly uh, a very positive for the, uh, the cattle industry. The uh, the cattle, triple-digit gains, the uh, weakest one was the June, but that's because, really, that does not affect... The, the June cattle will be too late, really, for to really get into that uh, export. So... Uh, the rest of the month, though, uh, over $2 higher. The interesting one was the feeders limit up. And uh, that uh, yeah, that uh, kind of puzzling a little bit because uh, uh, corn is back higher and by the time uh, things settle down. But this is an extremely volatile uh, market. And uh, as I mentioned before, it's not going to go away anytime soon. So I expect uh, next week we're, we're not going to see a, a quiet cattle market. Uh, now over in the hogs, they uh, finished a little bit higher. The May went off the board today. 
and uh, at 71.90, and the index uh, is following right behind, so it's going to end up pretty close to the uh, end of uh, the May contract. The rest of the month, though, followed suit, and we're higher in uh, cash, off just a little bit, but uh, we seem to be uh, in, a, in a positive tone to the market at this point. Cutouts were a little lower on the uh, pork at noon, but... Uh, nothing uh, substantial. So we end the week positive all the way around in livestock. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Dewey Nelson reporting. Coming out last night was great news for American beef producers. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. The announcement coming that China will open up and accept beef imports from the United States by July of this year is great news for producers. And on the phone with us is the Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director, Greg Ibaugh. Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you know about this announcement that was made last night? Well, with it coming last night and uh, overnight, we didn't have much American press coverage of it, but I have been combing some of the other coverage in Europe and abroad, and they're referring to it as an opening consistent with international standards, and if that is the case, that would be good news for Nebraska, meaning that a wide variety of cuts from a wide variety of age groups of cattle uh, should be eligible for export to China. What is this going to mean for producers to have this access? First of all, 1.4 billion people that already are purchasing from other countries $2.8 billion worth of beef and beef products. And so we're anxious to be able to uh, capture part of that market and maybe even grow that market because we think that the Chinese consumers will be eager to get U.S. beef because they know it's a high-quality product. The governor and yourself and the Department of Economic Development hosted a trade mission to China last November. A lot of work ahead of this was being done. What is this going to mean now moving forward? Well, we'd already been working hard to position the Nebraska beef community to be able to take advantage of China when it did open. And so we have been working to help our slaughter facilities make contacts into the marketplace and build relationships. And we will be rolling out some promotional activities in China over the next few days and weeks. And we're also going to have Stan Garbutz, the international trade officer, for Nebraska agriculture in China next week, reaching out and making some contacts as well. What is it going to take for Nebraska and our branded beef that you and the governor have been working on to get into that marketplace when probably a lot of other states are also going to be vying for those positions too? Well, I think that we've made great strides in raising the awareness of Nebraska and the care that our producers give to producing a very high-quality beef and telling the Nebraska story about Nebraska families, farmers and ranchers across our state that are part of our agricultural chain. And so I think we have a little bit of a head start already, and we plan to use our experience and our knowledge from entering other marketplaces as well as our strong relationship with Hong Kong and Vietnam to try to leverage a a strong start and a strong push into China right from the get-go.
For boots on the ground back here in Nebraska, is there anything that producers themselves could be doing to assist the department or in any aspects? Well, producers will be assisting the department because I know their beef checkoff dollars are being used by national organizations like the U.S. Meat Export Federation and the Nebraska Beef Council partners regularly with the department to do promotional activities. And so I know that they're... uh, each and every beef producer is going to have a piece of that uh, that promotional activity through their checkoff. We've been talking with Greg Iba, the director of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture, about China importing U.S. beef and what it means to Nebraska. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network as we were slightly higher in corn, slightly lower in wheat and soybeans. With us, Craig Turner of Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Craig, we picked one day here where you would think on a Friday we'd get a little more activity. Yeah, you do. You you know, even also after that WASDE report uh, yesterday, yesterday, you usually see some follows through from that. I think what is really going on here is you know, we are going to have about eight weeks of, eight to ten weeks to see what the weather is going to be like, how planting goes, and, you know, if we confirm, you know, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of acres go in for, uh, for U.S. crops, you know, maybe we see the next leg down. If we have weather issues, maybe we see some, you know, higher prices, but we're going to be choppy now. We know we have a lot of grain uh, on hand, and the market just seems to, you know, now want to follow the weather. And we got a lot of time to plant, so it's just, it, you know, the WASD's out of the way, we know what to look for, and we've got probably eight weeks to really see how weather goes and planting goes. Well, we've had seven months of a 20-cent trading range in that corn market, so maybe a market that's building up energy to finally make a move, but you never know. Well, yeah, and, and the, the idea is, you know, if we do have another, so it can go two ways, if we do have another good U.S. crop along with all these uh, with the good um, world production, you know, the unfortunately the, the, the next leg lower or the breakout, you know, you know, it could be a move lower. But if we keep on having planting delays, and we're hearing a lot of replanting going on in the Midwest, uh, guys are even, it's kind of early to talk about prevent plant, but it, we're actually starting to hear about it. So if we do take off a couple of million acres and the later we plant, Maybe we shave off a little yield too. You start doing these balance sheets, you can see how we might lose, you know, five, six, seven hundred million bushels of corn. That's the case now. We are, we could see maybe a, a 20 or 30 cent breakout to the upside later in the spring or earlier in the summer. So there's definitely potential for both ways. And it's just something, but between now and, and then, we're probably going to chop. Well, June, I think the end of June, 30th or 29th or something, is going to be that acreage report. That will loom largely then for the bears and the bulls. Yeah, so that's about six weeks out, and absolutely. You know, by the time you get then, you really get an idea of what the acreage is going to look like. You know what's planted. You know what the conditions are. You do have the summer forecasts, you know, at the end of June for, you know, and you'll see what's for July. Um, and, you know, by then the market does get it, start to get a handle on what the production is. Again, if it's fantastic, corn could be making a run down to the lower threes, uh, mid to lower threes. If, uh, if we are having issues, either on the yield or acreage side, you know, $4 corn isn't far away at all. Right. Craig Turner, Daniels Ag Marketing, Chicago.